They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise me. Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. Hey everybody, welcome to Who Shot Ya? It's your boy, I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today, film reviews editor at The Rep, El Mero Mero de Navidad, Señor Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, <laughs> what is good with you, sir? Well, you know, the obvious thing would be to go for the fact that uh, the Hallmark just announced they're going for a record 37 Woo! Christmas movies this year, but I'm going to let that one slide to talk about <laughs> Taylor Swift. Go, coming out yes. in support of uh, some Democratic uh, candidates in Tennessee after never being political. I don't particularly care about Taylor Swift or anything that she does in this world, but I do love the backlash from the usual idiots and yeah. how quickly they got dragged for their idiocy, notably Mike Huckabee and uh, Timmy Tammy What's-Her-Face. Yes. You know, like, just <laughs> stop talking now. Anyway, a big boom in voter registration, so well done, Ms. Swift. That's what's up. I wanted to, I wanted to double down. I wanted to start wearing Malcolm X t-shirts tomorrow <laughs> to scare the fuck out of everybody. Out of everybody. But the reason it was so effective is because she didn't do just like a party thing. She had two very specific candidates she yes. was endorsing and exact reasons why. And and all the people who thought that she was their secret Aryan princess now have to eat it. <laughs> and also, how dumb were they for thinking that? Yes. Sorry. Well, yes. you know, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole other thing. One of those verses, voices you heard right there, that female voice, film festival programmer. She has returned to us. The dope rhyme say, uh, Treya Clark is back in the building. Yay! Yes! Treya, what's good with you? Before you answer that, can I say thank you for the passes to the film festival? Uh, my staff pick last week was uh, one of the doc- a documentary I saw there, Mr. Soul. It's one of the best oh, documentaries good. I've ever seen. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of all that. It was dope. You're so welcome, although I was already chastising you. Also, yeah, this is me him, trying to dig myself out I of I gave him hole. fancy, fancy passes because I was like, who do I know that's actually going to come and see a bunch of movies? That's an exact Ricky quote. Ricky Carmona, exact quote. That's an exact quote. And then... At the L.A. Film Festival, this gal moderates, like, 70% of the screenings. Like, it is hard to go through that festival and not have to deal with me at a screening. You know who did, Ricky Carmona? (laughs) (laughs) Did not come to a single film that I was hosting, moderating. He was at the information booth. Okay, which ones don't have? Can I just see the schedule real quick? No, I'm glad you went. Thank Um, you very much. That was good with me. Yes, the L.A. Film Festival being successfully over is good. But what's good for me is the new Doctor Who. I know we're not so excited. It's so highly rated. Oh, my God. She was so good. It's worth it. She, I mean, like, it's, it's worthy. The ratings were bonkers in the U.K. It was like 8.2 million. And I know our what's goods are normally not of the audiovisual component because that's mostly what we're talking about. But I'll, I'll do it. Like, it made yeah. me so happy. I had been in festival brain. So I had forgotten that it was coming and it showed up on my DVR and was like, oh, my God, the woman who fell to earth. It was wonderful. And I loved her. I love the new take of it, the feel of it. It feels really grounded. There's so much possibility. And um, she kept her Yorkshire accent and like a strong Yorkshire accent is one of my favorite things in the world. So that was a real Real delight. That's what's up, yo. That's yep. what's up, yes. Another voice that we heard that you might not be familiar with, but you probably are because he is a co-host of the very popular podcast, Keep It. Ladies and gentlemen, let's return. Let's welcome the return 
of Louis Vertel. Oh my God. I feel like this is like the first recording studio I ever laid down my vocals. <laughs> <laughs> my early Motown, my Stax Records hits. <laughs> With Sam Phillips in the booth. That's right. Uh, this kid's and, got something. <laughs> go ahead and bust out the harmonica and give us a little more tunes about that. <laughs> Lewis, what is good with you, sir? Um, uh, uh, well, I just filmed the pilot, which is the, a dream of mine, which was uh, an entertainment news version of The Daily Show, where I'm a writer and correspondent, and I can't believe that doesn't exist, and that's all I want to exist, so I <laughs> yes. hope it flies. Uh, but otherwise, um, I am notably not a fan of the season of fall. I think it's too dark. Okay. And I, but however, I'm with you. I do like uh, the movies that come out in fall, and okay. I'm loving this succession that we have coming up. I am particularly looking forward to Melissa McCarthy and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes. I, weirdly, I'm not going to call Melissa McCarthy underrated, but she just has like tentacles of talents and directions I don't think we've really seen. I think she can be more sinister than we've seen, and I'm really looking forward to that. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm very much interested into her doing different things yes like this this this, this next can I, movie can that I she pull has in Alonzo Duralde and tell you that I've seen that already did you enjoy it okay. I loved it oh I'm so excited I'm seeing to it in the next week or two so. <laughs> and yeah, also one of my heroes happens to be in it too speaking of uh, uh, <gasps> anchors, uh, uh Jane Curtin is in oh, the oh god yes. Yes. <laughs> Ricky what's good Oh, I'm, I've lost it. I got rusty. Somebody got out of the league too long. What's good for me right now is NPR's Tiny Desk Music Series. I spend my Saturdays watching these. On Saturday, I watched uh, the Jizz's performance. He was on there with the band The Soul Rebels, and he performed classics off of his uh, one of the best albums in the Wu-Tang oeuvre. Dare I say the Wu-Vra. No. Yes. I knew it. Yes. I saw what you yes. were daring. Yes, you dared. Yeah. You were too excited. It's, it wasn't daring. <laughs> I didn't see the dare in it. You insisted. <laughs> Off of, uh, he did songs from uh, Liquid Swords, uh, and it's just this great combination of hip hop and the live band and the Wu Tang. I mean, they're at that Wu Tang Clan is like at peak your favorite uncle's age that you want to hang out with. Like they're always mm-hmm. just like. Let's go hang out with fucking Uncle Ghostface and smoke weed in the back. And they'll be like, all right, come with me, shorty. I mean, it's can't recommend that performance enough. Uh, Jizza uh, on the Tiny Desk series. You can watch them all on YouTube. Start with that one. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about, speaking of music, if I may, dare I say. You those, may. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to be talking about A Star is Born, which everybody's going crazy about. We're also going to be talking about the 50th anniversary of Barbarella. And as always, we will have our staff picks at the end of the show. But before we get into all that, it is time for our news roundup game called It a Dick. Short for Is This Important? Do I Care? <laughs> Here's how it works. We're all going to read a news headline. Any one of us will jump in with our take. By answering these two questions, is this important? Do I care? And I will start off because I'm excited about this, y'all. I'm excited (laughs) about this. James Gunn has gotten his first job since being fired by Disney. The former Guardians of the Galaxy director has jumped ship from Marvel to the DC Extended Universe to write Suicide Squad 2, according to a publication called The Rap. Oh, (laughs) oh, well. Well, I've heard of it. They're very highly esteemed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, according to uh, the rap, Gunn may direct as well. You may remember he was controversially fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after some old tweets resurfaced where he made jokes about pedophilia and rape. 
Is this important? Do you care? How wide do I have to open up my arms to welcome all y'all haters back to the DC universe? Come on, we're here for you. They, they need it. There is a beautiful sense of justice here because totally. Justice because League. His there you go. His firing from Disney was such a crock and and such a like knee jerk thing to people who were going out of their way to be trolling. And so for DC to be like, you know what? Uh, here's here's our, our franchise that made a lot of money, but everyone hated and was trying desperately to be like Guardians. Let's just have you do that now. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, somebody pointed out that the last time that somebody crossed over from Marvel to DC, it was Joss Whedon doing Justice League, which maybe didn't like, turn out so hot. that was a hot. patchwork affair. That yes. was indeed. This would be obviously a different story. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about the idea. I feel like he's in this Moneyball situation where he, he's like, okay, here here are like you know some characters that can be filled in with something good. Now, you, you stats or whatever to yeah. make it even more <laughs> Yeah. It's like, hi, Oreo person. Come over and make these Hydrox better. You yes. Know? <laughs> um, I'm definitely excited about this. For the, the reasons that you're talking about, that, that was such bullshit what came at him in the first place and who did it. Um, but also the fact that you just phrased in like tweets about pedophilia and rape and then he's doing suicide squad i'm like well they're kind of on tone yeah. <laughs> it really he was really laying the groundwork the hollywood foreign press association those lovely people who give us the golden globes every year the six of them uh, yes, yes. Uh, they're in the news this week thanks to a really weird profile of actress drew barrymore that appeared in egypt air's in-flight magazine horus uh, the article caught the attention of political journalist Adam Barron, who tweeted a picture of it with the caption, This interview with Drew Barrymore in the Egypt Air in-flight magazine is, um, surreal. <laughs> His tweet went viral, and some questions about the article's authenticity arose, including whether its author had even interviewed Barrymore. The author of the article is former HFPA president Ida Tekla. She claims it's real, while Barrymore's people say they never sat down with her. Here are some of the quotes that Ida uh, attributes to Barrymore. Quote, I cannot deny that women made a great achievement over the past century. There is significant process, progress recorded by people who study women's status throughout <laughs> history. Spoken like a real human being. Uh, yes. <laughs> Spoken like I, speak and spell Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Through the, uh, the, the uh, Babblefish website. Yes. Uh, the article also claimed that Barrymore had, quote, decided to temporarily take an unlimited vacation to play her most crucial role as a mother, unquote. For the record, Drew did not take an unlimited vacation. The HFPA issued an apology to Barrymore and has launched an investigation into the matter. Is this important? Do you care? Well, it reminds me of that... Alonzo, you can uh, verify this. That French and Saunders, they take an interview Madonna did, which was translated into Hungarian and then translated back or something. <laughs> and they read it back and forth and it's just like gobbledygook. <laughs> because <laughs> the actual the interview as written, it's like you can't tell what the question is or what the answer is. <laughs> there's a ton of that actually on the internet. You may or may not believe that. But there's entire websites. I know for a fact, if you Google, and don't ask me however this came up, but when I read this, it reminded me, H. John Benjamin Girlfriend, um, a like WikiWorth, like a fake Wikipedia website will come up with a very similar article to this one that's like, despite having some attraction to ladies, he has nonetheless never been able to, like this weird uh -huh. syntax. Words. Yeah. Yes, but that's also too personal. The strange thing here is that 
you know, the craze that's sweeping the nation of not being able to just apologize or own up to something <laughs> that you either made up or did wrong or whatever, but to just double down. And she's like, no, I wrote it. I definitely interviewed her and I definitely wrote it. Like, yeah, right. Really? That's <laughs> a weird definitely hill. a human being who writes. <laughs> yes. It's also bizarre because she actually just took a job uh, judging a new, I think, reality show with RuPaul on CBS. Yeah. So it's like, so she's not taking time off to spend time with her kids. So no. I'm like a detective. I figured yeah. it out. And yeah. she's on a show on Netflix. Oh, yes. 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 Netflix and diet. Yes. yes, all those things. Uh, Dre, you want to take us into this one? Man, you know I love a Richard Dreyfus update. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys, listen to this, guys. In a recent interview with Deadline, Richard Dreyfus was asked what he would think if they re-released Jaws with new special effects. His response was truly disturbing. <laughs> he said, here's my Richard Dreyfus. I think they should do it. <laughs> I, was I don't even know what that was. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. It's like you're in the room. I know. I think they should do it. It would be huge. It would open up the film to younger people. Is that blasphemy? No, I don't think so. The technology now could make the shark look as good as the rest of the movie. Um, he went on to say, there are people who say Jaws is a perfect film otherwise. It's amazing what Steven accomplishment Stephen accomplished with the challenges he had. But you're dead right. I think you're on to something. They should put money into the CGI to replace the beast and make it come alive. Is this important, you guys? Do you care? What's what's Richard Dreyfus? The way he's talking, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Use computers to make it better. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's how we'll get the kids we, to come back and watch we, this. Can we also replace all the guns with walkie-talkies? Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. Yeah, that, also, that worked out so well. By the way, updating it with like current technology, it's like, so the shark is going to look like Transformers and the rest of it is going to look like 1975? Old <laughs> man on a boat? Yeah. No. yeah. I mean, one of the great things about Jaws is because by necessity, you don't see the shark that much. And that's what makes it scary. Mm-hmm. And even replacing that because it's not going to change the shape of the narrative. No. If you like streamline the CGI of a rarely seen shark, it's still rarely seen. Exactly. Yeah. I do. I do get excited over whatever younger audiences Richard Dreyfus think he's missing out on. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like these whippersnappers, they knew what I got yeah. up to on that boat. I've been watching this new thing, this MTV. <laughs> the kids right now, they can't believe. DJ Holland's opus. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Just compare the original Robert Wise The Haunting with the terrible Yon Devant remake, which is like CG out the wazoo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. No. And I'm you just... you alluded to this of course, but the ET update with his like computerized face or whatever, mm-hmm. not over the disgusting like pus quality of his face. <laughs> he was a pustulant ET. <laughs> anyway. It's like a Botox this ET. Needs, yes. you know, this alien needs more boils. Right? Richard, we'll send you a copy of the Meg and just write Jaws on the front of it and you'll be fine. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about A Star is Born, y'all. You're listening to Who Shot Ya? Welcome, everyone, to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles. So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying the competition. Isn't there anyone who can save us from this travesty? Wait, could it be? It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling podcast. Titan Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling. And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex. What a match! 
Fights. And the Tights and Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Please, these hosts have families. Tights and Fights podcast. Tights and Fights. Welcome back to Who Shot Yeah, I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... Louis Vertel. Drea Clark. Alonzo Duraldi. Today we are talking about A Star is Born. Lewis, you're our guest. We always ask our guests to please give us a brief synopsis of the film. So if you don't mind, please. Okay, well, this will blow your mind. It is not a new property. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what? There are a couple of versions of what, it. What, what? Technically, four other versions, um, going back to a movie called What Price Hollywood in the early 30s uh, with Constance Bennett. However, uh, the first real one is with Janet Gaynor in the late 30s. Then you had uh, Star is Born with Judy Garland in the 50s. And then you had the Barbara one in the 70s where she had a, a, a white woman afro that was exactly root beer colored. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. what you need to know about that movie. Yes. Um, okay, so anyway, Star is Born is about Lady Gaga is a singer in L.A.? Question mark? It's L.A. Okay, yes. There's, there was I some debate about where questions. New Yorkers are baffled. It's L.A. Okay, very good. I, mean, I it was, like I was baffled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very, very much so. Especially since they fly to the Greek moving on. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, anyway. Supposed, but that's supposed to be Arizona because there's flags. Uh, correct. Okay, very good. <laughs> Lady Gaga's a singer. Bradley Cooper is a, a, a legendary uh, gruff singer-guitarist who was an alcoholic. He recruits Lady Gaga, thinks she can be a star. Lo and behold, she becomes one. Then they get entwined, and then drama, really. <laughs> um, does it work out, doesn't it? I don't want to say. Uh, but the point is, it's really a showcase for the both of these people as actors. Now, obviously, we've seen Bradley Cooper rack up Oscar nominations for movies that I generally hate. <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook, I think, is some garbage. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um, American Sniper is I was that like, movie. I will raise you one American yeah. Sniper. <laughs> right. But I uh, liked American Hustle. I Here's my thing about American Hustle. What happened in it? Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I cannot take a quiz on that movie. But, you know. <laughs> Everybody in that movie looks like they're dialed up to look like characters in Guess Who. Like, you know, just like, yes! glasses, mustache. <laughs> You know. <laughs> Cornrows. Um, but um, Lady Gaga, who we had seen act previously mostly in um, American Horror Story, gets to be a, a much different kind of role here. She's a sort of guileless person, which is unlike anything we've seen of her as a pop star. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, here's what I'll say about her performance. It was surprisingly good to me because in the trailer it looked so bad mm-hmm. to me. Mm. It looked really like kind of – she was unsure how to act. I actually saw a tweet the other day. Um, someone said the movie actually feels like they couldn't find a lot of good takes of her. I do think, though, she's so likable that it's – whether or not it's the same thing as being great, she is good at being likable. Mm-hmm. So um, it's successful in that way. And yeah. I think it's the most concise of the movies. So in a way, I like this, this A Star is Born the best. Yeah. Well, I felt this Star is Born was one that was very aware of its predecessors. Yes. And story-wise, it was refining things that they had dropped along the way or, you know, that they kept the music that was introduced in the 70s version because the first two were more centered around the film industry, not the music industry. Although the 50s one is a musical. Yes. No, it's still a music, but about the film industry. Sure, yes, yes, yes. And that, that they were just taking pieces that worked. So I thought that it did a good job of paying attention to the successes of what came before and like why this is such a prevalent and repeatable story. (laughs) I agree with you on Gaga. I felt, um, 
I felt her strongest performances were when she was singing and when she was not talking. Because she had some beautiful close-ups. There's this extended sequence when she's on the stage and she's been invited to come sing. And you're watching all of these thoughts race through her mind of, like, if she's going to take this personal challenge, if she's going to... And she's wonderful in that moment. And when she's singing, she emotes, obviously, so beautifully. But there's definitely some dialogue things. Bradley Cooper blew my fucking mind in this movie. Um, I actually had a really hard time watching this. I had seen the other ones much younger in my life. And um, (laughs) now as a grown woman, um, if if you have ever loved an addict, this is a very difficult film to watch. Very difficult. I spent the whole second half of it twisting away like I wanted to leave the theater I I was in physical pain I don't think I would have finished it if we weren't doing this not because I didn't find it so incredible as it was too effective there was an authenticity of um his addiction and what he was going through and his mannerisms and even just I mean his performance is so lived in he's so comfortable as this rock star performer that even though I was like i I can't really think of a contemporary, but I know exactly who that guy is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and then the slurs like he's not. A, I'm not a bright man. I'm not a not smart, smart man, Jenny. Yeah. Like, he was not like a bright. <laughs> nose. Oh, I'm so your nose. I want a billboard all over that nose. <laughs> but like, where are the Cheetos? Yeah, at? <laughs> he had some wisdom to him. He had like small things, but he wasn't smart. But he even that had. Shades of changing from his sobriety. I was yeah, the, thrown the, by him. The male character in all the versions is a drunk. And uh, this version seemed to be smarter about addressing that and uh, about how she addresses it. Yeah. Like, I think like she goes into the relationship knowing what she's dealing with, but she seems sort of the least enablery of all the versions. I mean, yeah, they definitely streamline it. You don't get he doesn't really have a fall the way the other ones do in terms of his career. Like. And the other ones, like, you know, the contracts dry up or the public turns on him. That right. never really mm-hmm. happens right. to him. It's yeah. just more that he's destroying himself with booze, you know. But I, I get a I, small nod to it with that Grammys thing of him being ejected from being the singer. Right. But but you're right. It's but not. Nonetheless, it's not... But, but he's still on stage. He's still part of this yeah. all-star mm-hmm. lineup, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I'm going to give Gaga a little more credit. Like, I think that bathtub argument they have. Oh, sure. I think she more than holds her own. I think she's uh, – I was really impressed yeah. with her as an actress in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, the performance sequences are great, but I think that she is bringing it, and and you know, and and I somebody's saying, oh well, she's you know, she's a pop star, she's playing herself. I'm like, mm. oh no, she's, she's not she's really. No, yeah. she's playing like Amy Mann, maybe. She's not yeah. playing, you know, right. the meat dress Gaga that we've come to know. Um, you know, but, but but you know, the movie is, I think, aware of the previous versions and kind of spinning moments that we think we know we're going to get into something that's slightly different, but still does the does the job of moving it along. The ending didn't knock me out the way that the movie clearly thinks that it's doing to me. I literally couldn't move from the theater. That's so interesting. Because no, I, I also didn't think it really worked. Yeah. I thought it was, but I, but they, I, they needed like one more thing to happen. To yeah. I, I thought there was one too many. I, I know, thought there was one thing too many. Yeah. I know people who were shattered by it, but I, I just like, mm, it's not, you know, for me, like just give me give me Judy Garland in that one line and that's enough to, hmm. to slay me. You know, you know yeah, I he, do, the... The ending, I will say, his whole ending is what killed me. The 
the piece, I don't know, the last song that she sang mm. d- didn't resonate in the way that a lot of the other music did because I think the music throughout was so impressive. Yeah. And also that song is very literal. Yes. That song is very sounds very much like Whitney Houston's uh, it, uh, off the, the Bodyguard soundtrack. Uh, Run to you. Uh, I have nothing. No, what else I is... have nothing. Yeah. Very much. It, it, oh, took, yeah, it took me out of the movie. I was like, she's doing I have nothing right now. That's that's what that, I mean. That's not exactly what that song is. But mm-hmm. I got when I got home, I listened to I have nothing. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of it. Some of like the melody changes are there mm. and the chords yeah. are there. Now, Ricky, was this your first Star is Born? This is my first Star is Born. I, uh, I I loved Lady Gaga in it. I, all I know, I only really know about the Barbara Streisand a Star is Born, and people have said, yeah, that's that's what happens. That, it looks like that, and people say it hasn't aged well. I think that without seeing it, I think what doesn't, what might not work in that movie, and what does work in this movie is. Barbara Streisand is already a star in the real world, so we're not like I mean in our world where right. we exist. Well, that's that's a different thing about this one. Usually, the woman in the film who's playing the up and comer is the more established performer. Like I see. Judy Garland was way more famous than James Mason in mm-hmm. the fifties. Mm-hmm. Janet Gaynor had already won an Oscar, and Frederick March was relatively new. Uh, so this is the first time where yeah, the woman is actually the relative newcomer to the screen, and you know because of the, the previous versions were clearly like a vehicle for. The woman, like mm-hmm. Judy Garland and Streisand, like literally were the producers and were the prime movers of it. Whereas Bradley Cooper is the prime mover here, so I think that elevates that character a little more yeah. than in the other versions. Maybe yeah, Do you think it was, for better or worse. No, no, no. I was going to say so. It was just great to like. We're watching Bradley Cooper be a movie star, which is fantastic, which is fun to do. But we're watching Lady Gaga. As a as a music superstar, become a movie star by the end of this movie is mm-hmm. over. Like I, there's some there was something about her kind of like being like 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 the surrogate for for the audience of like I mean we've all wanted to be the person who tells our boss to go fuck themselves yep. and walk mm-hmm. out and walk out. We all want to be the person who is like I had this thing that I would love to do, and if somebody gave me the chance, oh man, I could. What if I could knock it out? She gets to do everything that all the dream that you want to have. She gets to do that, and it happens to be Lady Gaga. So when she fucking sings, she can sing like a motherfucker. Right. It's amazing, the, the, I, amazing. I was just not was, to oh, not no, to discredit no, no, her no, performance. No. I, not that she's very watchable throughout. Mm-hmm. I think something that's interesting though is like. As Drea pointed out, he is a fully lived-in character. You can see, like, Bradley Cooper's been on the screen before. He's added layers to this character before we've even seen him. And the magic of what she does is a lot of reacting to him, which is very organic in the moment. But it it doesn't feel like she's necessarily built an amazing character, but it becomes one sort of as the movie progresses. So it's sort of two different styles of performance going on. That's more it, because I wouldn't want to disregard her in this. I think she's really strong. I don't know who else could have done this Mm. that I would have liked as much even. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also interesting that the movie... You, you you get the impression that Bradley Cooper's character, once she sort of goes off and finds her own musical voice that isn't exactly like his, he has a problem with it and he tries to like tell her that she's a sellout or whatever, but the movie doesn't feel that way. Right. The movie is like, no, you can go do this pop stuff and still be a, an artist with something to say just because this guy thinks that because you're no longer like touring with him and wearing little fringe dresses and playing keyboard, that that, that means you're not really a musician anymore. You mean the scene that's exactly like La La Land when he's standing watching her at Saturday Night Live and it's exactly like Emma Stone watching Ryan Reynolds or 
Ryan oh, Gosling play with the full band. Oh, right. And like uh-huh. everyone yeah. else is responding, but just that one person is so disappointing. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though, is that uh, Sam Elliott is the one getting supporting actor buzz for this movie. And not that he's bad. Be- I mean, like, Sam Elliott is so used to giving the Sam Elliott performance. It's like picking up, like, an, like I, I don't know, like a bottle of Coca Cola. I know exactly what I'm going to get from mm-hmm. him. Which the interesting thing to me is if Andrew Dice Clay had one more scene, I would be rooting for him because yes. he has such a specific feel as her father. As you said, like, the star fuckery quality, the, like, kind of resentment, the love for her, but also, you know, just like that. That's a very real person to me. And I wish mm-hmm. he had gotten one more scene to do, I don't know what, but uh, that would have been awesome. And if, also, if Sam Elliott be- looks like a big, sad toothbrush. Oh, <laughs> if they want to give him like a career achievement Oscar for this, I'm totally fine with that. And really, it's to make up for not having nominated him for Grandma, right? Which right. he was amazing in and gave a not the usual Sam Elliott performance. Mm, that's true. That's true. The the Sam, uh, I'm sorry, not Sam Elliott. The the dice the the dice moment or the, just that relationship that was another that was one where I liked that there was no conflict with Lady Gaga and. Uh, just the life that the new life that she was starting to have. Like I just feel like I've seen in so many other movies where the dad is like, You wanna be a singer? Not yeah. my daughter. You're gonna date this person. He's like just like worn her worn her away from that. And it was just kind of nice to like this is a loving family. Uh he just wants to do the best for his daughter. Them watching like the YouTube clip, yeah. I, I like. I just love that scene so like, much. Again, he, another one that just felt like real natural. She's entering a world that he sort of hovered around yeah. with his whole yes. life, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that was really. And great. also, like, like he's there to witness a particularly bleak moment for him, and like they carry him off to like the bathroom or whatever. Oh. And like his behavior there is so right. Like yeah. it's what mm-hmm. he would do there. It's like it's not the beginning of a what are you doing dating this person moment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it feels realer that way. You know, another movie that has a moment like that is. Rachel getting married when like mm. like the his new wife or whatever goes and like she just picks up the phone and deals with something as opposed to starting a scene. Yes, you know. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So. I was when I walked out of the movie and with my friends and we, we were talking about what we saw. I man, like I Bradley Cooper directed the shit out of this movie. Yeah, like there there's shots in it. In particular, the first the first Matthew time that Libetique. we Matthew Libatique, shout out to him. Who shot this and Venom, the one and number one and number two movies this week, and they couldn't look less alike. I totally, yeah, right. yeah, I liked Venom better. <laughs> Leave this house. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> it made me uh, cry less. The <laughs> the scene where we first meet Sam Elliott for the first time, and uh, he just walks from where you know whatever that sound booth is. And that it's down the aisle and oh, like right, warns right, right. him about Bradley Cooper. That camera stays on them and up on stage and follows Bradley Cooper. There's several moments like that where we are literally just like following a character from behind, getting the perspective of this world. Uh, the movie starts this way with Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like following his hands, putting drugs uh uh, you know, like like taking drugs. Right after you see the Live Nation Entertainment yes. logo. Yeah, that was weird. It's like, now, and now a singer will wash down pills with tequila. It's like, live music, everybody. I, I, li- I like that it was a different interpretation of how we see rockers using drugs as well. Like, I was very oh, yeah. much expecting, like, cocaine abuse out the wazoo. And then he's just a piece of shit from that. Or but that like, it looks fun. Yeah, ex- exactly. Very yeah, much yeah. so. Just about Very much so. But like pills, that's like a, you've got like some real demons when you're like taking pills. You're really trying to like suppress some shit and like keep that stuff down. So it was like fun, really, not I, fun, but it was just pretty amazing so to watch so that. Fun. I'm curious about y'all's experience if you saw it like in a regular movie theater because they screened it for press in LA at 
at Dolby, like in their mm-hmm. theater. And then I saw it again at like an AMC, but it was in the one AMC super tricked out Dolby house because I think the sound mix on this movie is extraordinary. <gasps> oh, yeah. It's yes. so like, good. Like th- that opening concert, it's like, oh, yeah, because this is what a concert sounds like when you're on the stage yeah. as opposed to in the audience. Yes. Does that, is that coming out in like a regular multiplex? Well, I saw the arc light and it definitely did. Cool. And the, mm-hmm. the side of it, I weirdly years ago worked on a terrible reality show that involved us ending up having um i'm not even going to tell you who played in this final concert but it was at the greek so we were on stage and there were similarities to that exactly what you're saying that perspective Mm. of how different it is when you're here when you're in the audience there's always the feeling like oh they could look at me at any moment (laughs) and when you're on the stage you're like oh i don't there's no one like there's just lights a a mass (laughs) yeah um but the mix and then his sound his hearing and how they handled the tinnitus His that's again the lived in bits. Like he did a few like lean in things with his brother because there's also the thing of oh, when he can't hear people talking, right? yes. yeah, and that he's just sort of answering because he's guessing what they're saying. Uh-huh. That destroyed me as well. Yeah, but the but they the sound mix is what adds to it so well. Like and also the I mean the look of so many of the concerts seems fe- uh, feels like um, a documentary. You know what I yeah. mean? That mm-hmm. feeling of like looking out at the crowd. Bradley Cooper's actually talked about this quite a bit, but it reminded me sort of of like Gimme Shelter. Or I would say or, yeah, yep. or like the um, the Guns and Roses Appetite for Dist- or What's that music video? Welcome to the John. Uh, is that the no no no, 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 no Sweet Child uh, of Mine? Yeah. Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. You know things like that, which are or Paradise City. I think where they where they're playing like indie concert arena. Yes, it's I feel like it's black and white half the time. I'm sorry, yeah, that's I Paradise, Paradise City. City. Okay, it's Paradise yeah, yeah. City. Yeah. Um, but no, that was very. Um, Rad, and also again, it's that it, this movie d- is both grand and down to earth at all times, mm-hmm. and I think th- uh, those uh, that dichotomy is most present in the concert scenes. Yeah, Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper said he reached out to uh, to Eddie Vedder and like several musicians mm-hmm. to like kind of get the details of being on stage that crowds don't see, uh, because there is yeah, it's like the way he would like look at the rest of the band. Uh, it's it's That's Willie Nelson's son's band, by the way. Oh, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that he was collaborated great. with him on the songs, and his band is playing Cooper's band in the movie. That's great. That was fantastic. What do you guys think of? Um, because this obviously went through numerous iterations over the last however many years. Because God forbid they make original properties when they can keep <laughs> We're done with that. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood never did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the. Um, Seeing this one and reacting as viscerally as I did, and then thinking of a Clint Eastwood version with Beyonce, Beyonce? Oh, yeah. right. I, I was can't like, imagine. my brain can't process. I think I, Jersey Boys was an object lesson of like, what that movie would have looked like. <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not interested in a Clint Eastwood directed version, but I am interested in whether it's Beyonce. Whether it's a hip hop act, whether it's an R and B, I mean, the, the the hardest thing to believe in this movie was that rock and roll is doing as well as it as well as it is yeah. in the real world, as opposed to, you know, I mean, Bradley Cooper is kind of playing like this country it's kind of a roots rocker, right? Right. Yeah. Except for but people aren't listening. I mean, they they are the, the the thing that I thought this did well is they do a great idea as lived in as his character is. So are those songs because you never. I felt like every song we saw him play was a song that the audience knew every word yes. to because they'd known it for 20 years. He looks like someone who's been on a state fair tour with like your like... Like Jimmy Buffett. With your, like, you know, he hasn't but like had a, in a sexier... He hasn't had a new album that matters in ages, but he's right. got this group of fans that will, you know... Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah I, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, when you talk about how, why it, they keep redoing it and why it keeps feeling relevant, uh, Dave had an interesting uh, idea that, that, like, we love 
celebrities, and we love the idea of getting to watch somebody become one. Mm-hmm. And we also hate celebrities mm. and want to see one go away. And I kind of feel like there's almost this Darwinian thing where, like, like whenever a new one comes up, we have to get rid of an old one. And you mm-hmm. see both of those things happen in every star as Particularly part. with women, I think, too. Whereas <laughs> where men just sort of get to, like, have lives, you know, again and again. By the way, speaking of the concert footage in this movie, mm-hmm. is it not disturbing how well he can sing? Just like, what, you it's get so to annoying. do that? <laughs> and play Why? the guitar. Yeah. yeah. Deeply annoying. I also love, by the way, when the movie evolves to um, uh, Lady Gaga's pop phase or whatever, how much... It doesn't remind me of her as a pop star. Like yes. I almost feel bad for the pains they had to go to to not remind you <laughs> of Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. They, they she's turn like her red into Robin instead. Yes, <laughs> yes, right. It's more like Robin, and she's wearing like polka dot pantaloons or something. Yeah. It's like really wild, but not the same. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know. I mean, it's. I think there was there was a couple of like weird lapses how we had mentioned with like where do things take place? Are we in LA right now? Where are we? I, I felt like that way with as far as like. How much time is passing between oh, all totally. of this? Yeah. So like, when it why gets... is she eligible for a Grammy? Like, yes. So she had yes. an album. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah. by the time it does get to the point at the end, I don't even consider that like she's at the peak of her career. No. I'm like she's still like up and coming. Yeah. So whatever happens next is <laughs> she is going to On be her terms. As, yes. as as my friend Dennis Hensley says about glitter, which is definitely borrows from the Star Is Born formula. I need some spinning Billboard charts in here yes. to let me know where we are and what's going on. Yeah. Well, let's go around. And uh, and let the people know what the, what what we thought. Should they st- screen it, stream it, or skip it? Lewis, I'll start with you. Oh, you got to screen it. I mean, like honestly, the sound design alone. But I mean, just mm-hmm. like these are two big performances, and whether you, I I don't think there's a world in which you hate them. But you've just got to see them as big as they can be. I think you should screen it. And I think if you've ever dealt with addiction or anyone who have it as a trigger warning, it is legitimately hard to watch. For those, it's a beautiful movie. <laughs> Uh, screen it. I think this is like great sort of old-fashioned Hollywood filmmaking, the kind of sort of big studio narrative that we take for granted, but if it were easy, everybody would do it. Yeah, I agree. I would say screen it. I, uh, to, me, to me, for as much as I come out here and I'm like, man, musicals can kiss my ass, to me, this is a musical. That, like, this is, these are the rules that I want to see a musical take place, take place in. There's reasons why people are singing when they're not on stage or in a studio in this movie mm-hmm. that are great. All that, diegetic that, all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it was just fantastic. And we also want to give a shout out to Anthony Ramos, who plays her friend. He was oh, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, dude, that, dude, that dude was, was so great. By the way, our buddies over at Pop Rocket, they are also going to be talking about A Star is Born this week. Lewis, you are tight with Guy Branham, right? Yes, uh-huh, I am. Uh, do you want to make any predictions as to what Guy is going to say about this? I think he's going to give you a, a deep dive borderline oral history of Judy's various breakdown scenes in the <laughs> 50s version. And, and they're then, great, and then, by and, the way. Yes. Oh, no, and very rewatchable, very kind of oh, contemporary yeah, yeah, yeah. seeming. Mm-hmm. Um and he will lament that Lady Gaga didn't have as much of a, 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 a tearful breakdown. That's, that's my guess. Right. If you can sure. compare it to Canadian Parliament, he will. And, and Karen Tongson will drag Evergreen into the conversation. I have a feeling it will be the longest episode of Pop Rocket ever recorded. <laughs> yes. Like, people are going to go all in on it. Anyway, after you finish listening to us, go subscribe to Pop Rocket and listen to their episode. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back talking about Barbarella. Podcasts. 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 <laughs> They're audio programs that tell smart stories in innovative ways using editing techniques like, like this. this. Like this. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. But let's face it, all that smart stuff can be exhausting. 
That's where Stop Podcasting Yourself comes in. It's so stupid. It's just two stupid dinguses being dumb idiot jerks for 90 minutes. Stop podcasting yourself. The stupid show that smart people love. Find it on iTunes or MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Who Shall Ya? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... Alonzo Duralde. Drea Clark. Louis Vertel. Now, Louis, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show today is because it's the 50th anniversary of the movie Barbarella. And frankly, Alonzo needs you, yo. <laughs> Alonzo needs you. I can't do this alone. <laughs> this is the nicest thing anybody has ever done for me. <laughs> <laughs> Alonzo, I'm going to let you take the reins and explain why this movie is so special. So, yeah, I, I was looking up something and it, I noticed that this was indeed going to be the 50th anniversary of Barbarella. And I just find this movie fascinating in a lot of ways because, uh, I mean, unto itself, it is this odd little pop curio. But in the context of Jane Fonda's life and career, I think it's fascinating. And the way that we have looked at it over the years, I think, has changed because, you know, she is a feminist icon. And this is a movie that you would think is strictly kind of like bimbo cheesecake, you know, sort of salacious uh, um, objectification. But I think that's an easy read. And I think there's more going on. And I think Lewis will back me up on this. Yes. Well, it's an interesting movie because, first of all, it weirdly, although it's a very strange movie about a woman in space going through like an orgasm obstacle course, basically, (laughs) um, it's... It, like, has a place in the late 60s because, like, the the sense of, like, kooky music and, like, slight psychedelia, it, like, is all a very of that time and place. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of not lost. Like, you know exactly where it belongs. Um, but, uh, no, Jane herself has said she has, you know... Uh, 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 recalibrated the meaning of the film to her. It, she used to be somewhat embarrassed of it. Obviously, it's like a marriage that went away. You know, it's from like a particular time and place for her. But um, no, it's like funnier than you expect. And also, I mean, like in some ways, I want to say the poster is more important than the movie because it gives you <laughs> such a specific Jane. But at the same time, I mean, it's just like weirdly the lightest, strangest weirdest thing where like literally she's like someone plays a piano that like strikes her body and she moans for 20 minutes <laughs> but I think that ultimately the movie is about the character's pleasure yes and, and, and I think it, and her it, figuring it out exactly yes. I think there's there's a sense of agency there because she is ultimately pursuing her own orgasm as opposed to merely having them inflicted upon her um, and so you know I, yeah the, obviously she is objectified from here to Tuesday and in a, in a you know uh, the, the if you get a chance to see from the journals of Gene Seberg, which I think it's all on YouTube, uh, they, they, the narrator refers to that she she models the next twenty years worth of hooker wear, yes. you know, <laughs> and like combinations of fur and latex. Got to get rid of this tail, chainmail, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think that you when you watch it, you feel like this is a woman who is in on the joke. Yes. It, Ish. My, my she's never is, quite winking. She's yes. never. Well, and also, I feel like they're 90% there with their thesis of this. Because I do agree, the, the structure of her, like, it starts off like she acknowledges, like, oh, the earth where I am now, nobody has sex anymore. You do this. cardio whatever (laughs) like you do some test and then you take a pill and you do a weird it's not actual sex and then the first guy who this is what it is so this progression of her like learning about her own sexuality becoming comfortable with and then like going for it however 
It's so suspect each way. Like, the first time that she has sex without a pill is because this man has helped her, and she's like, oh, how can I ever repay you? And he's basically like, I'm going to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, great. Let's – I just – so there's elements. I was like, yeah, you're, the through line is there. But the rest of it, like, I would genuinely love to see an actual feminist reading of this that's sexy and ridiculous and, like – Use the exact same sets. Drew Barrymore, going back to the uh, original uh, part of the show, was going to remake it for quite a while. And oh, I, that I, would have been perfect. I agree yeah. with you. I would love to. It just it didn't it just it happen. Okay. Yeah. And I think even. Because it's a hard tone. And then I think like Robert Rodriguez and Rose McGowan were circling it at one I point. I remember that. Yeah. That's... But yeah, I, I agree. You could totally do, I think, a modern interpretation that would do more. If you want to see the sets reused, however, Danger Diabolic oh, from yeah, about yeah. a year later. Be, they, with the same Dino crew, the same yeah, sets. Yeah, like yeah. Re- refurbished a lot of that. that? But, I have that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, the, 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 Alonzo, you, men, you mentioned the, the salaciousness of it and then the. Leaves to the adjectivity and the humor. Yeah, it's I mean, objectification. Object, objectification. Yeah, it, I the salaciousness of it. I didn't mind. I found that hilarious. I was just like, oh, this is kind of silly. The watching it in you know today's political environment, <laughs> it it was very weird when the, the first dude who she meets and she's like. He tells her, I'm going to have sex with you. Like, oh, uh, I don't know if that flies anymore. No, <laughs> couple, uh, this movie's not super woke. I no, really no, no, no. And, and, and I don't, and I don't and, but I was still able to, I was still able to enjoy it because I actually thought it was, I'd, it's been a couple years since I've seen it and I was real high when I watched it. <laughs> uh, like, Nobody what? on set was, though, so he, he didn't relate to them at all. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I had forgotten how funny Jane Fonda is in it. I mean, even, even the joke that you said about the tail, I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. And there was times where, like you said, Louis, she's in on the joke, and she, even though she's not necessarily like winking on the ca- winking at the camera, there is just kind of like she kind of knows mean, what's going when, on when, when and David is making Hemings, the best out of when it. When David Hemmings asks her, you know, are you typical of Earth women? And she's like, I'm about average. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> I great. Mean, that's, yeah, she. I I think her. We we we. We tend to underrate her comic chops at that point in her career. Like, and she had been in so many comedies. Yeah, yeah she had, you know, she had, this is after Barefoot in the Park. This is after, you know, Tall Story. Like Any Wednesday, lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any Wednesday and, and, and a lot of those films. And, uh, you know, yeah, she, y- y- you read her memoir, she talks about, like, when her voice is up at that higher register, like, she did not have the sort of self-possession that she does later when it falls into a, a you know, the, the into more of a clute timbre. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> it's also an interesting movie because it just reminds you uh, along these lines of, she kind of for years was marketed as like a, 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 the more actory Anne Margaret, basically. Like they look a lot of <laughs> yeah. lo- like. And then the year after this movie is made, she takes on like this whole other career where it's just like the bleakest movies. You know, she's getting into like paranoid 70s, whatever. They shoot horses. And, yes, pr- producing her own movies. And it's so interesting that this is basically the last jump before she does. She just becomes the face of the 70s, really. You know, she becomes the other Faye Dunaway, you right. know? Right. So. Uh, you mentioned Clute, and what was the other movie that you oh, mentioned? Oh, They Shoot Horses, they should, Don't They? Which is the definitive Jane Fonda incredible. movie. Oh, is that her best so movie? Good. That, yes. that was going to be my question, is which which is the role that, that you find is the is the Jane Fonda role? I would agree on Horses. Yeah. Yeah, I am, well, I am a deep Jane zealot, and the reason I became that way is because of They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Like, Clute, to me, is almost like, First of all, it's secretly just a whodunit with these like therapy scenes squeezed in that are amazing, right? Uh, and improv, apparently. Yes, oh, and, wow. and and they seem that way. Right. They see you could have gone either way, but I'm not surprised to hear ultimately that they were improvised. But anyway, um, she made the China Syndrome is a great thriller. Uh, Nine to five home. is so much fun. Com- coming Nine home, to five. but 
They Shoot Horses, Don't They, is like the movie that matches how bleak Jane is willing to be. There's just such a, a gravitas to her that I think the movie matches. You know, it's just yeah. like like a fearlessness in terms of being as dark as possible because I feel like she's among, cele- among like superstar women has seen the darkest shit. Yeah. You know? yeah. If y'all have not seen Jane Fonda in five acts, it's currently on HBO Go, a great documentary and she is super forthcoming in it and it like, it gives you the clips and it gives you the interviews with other people but just her talking about herself and her level of self-awareness about her life and where it's been is really must-viewing. I want to thank all of you for not spoiling Clute. I still haven't seen Clute, ah. but without seeing that, I already Ooh, know. they all die. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> without Little fact s- about me, I can lip-sync her entire first uh, therapy no! session in that I'm movie. I'm surprised <laughs> you're not dressed like Jane Fonda right now, bro. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for What's not having been going hair? out an audition for an actress or a yeah. call to call girl? Because <laughs> when you're a call girl, you control it. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For an hour, I can be the best actress in the world. I can be the best, best fuck in the world. world. <laughs> we'll be here all night. I, I love it. Oh I love it. Like it's it's. So my, now you've seen Clute. It's my favorite Jane Fonda movie. Like yeah. I know it's going to be my favorite Jane Fonda movie. And it's until when you I see, see it. they still shoot horses. Yeah, they shoot horses that, is really amazing. But that's the next one that I'm excited about yeah, watching. No, after Clute, Clute is cool because it also fits into the whole Alan Pakula paranoid thriller thing. Very. It's right. Uh, it's between. I think it's between Parallax View and All the Presidents. It's right Men. before Parallax View. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it sort of kicks off that trilogy of these movies of like, eh, who's listening to me? Who's watching me? Am I in danger? You know, and he does that really well. Yeah. But do you know that horse is about dancing until you can like, d- until you're dead? It's about dance marathons. It's about the, dance during ma- the depression where patient horses for like oh, a right? month. Yes. Yeah, where oh, they would word. just dance and, and 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 physically like fall apart. Like literally, which which sound you're picturing Greece and you're picturing wrong. Like <laughs> it's a very bleak. Horror, heartbreaking, like the juxtaposition is. Incredible. I mean, it's called They Shoot Horses. Though. Yeah, they give you a real I'm, I'm, I'm heads up. Yeah. For, and yet it's directed by Sidney Pollock, who yeah. did Tosa. Oh, yeah. oh, I love Sidney Pollock. <laughs> and right. young Bonnie Bedelia. And, uh, quite, yes. What? Mrs. McLean? Uh huh. Oh, uh, shit. Now he's in. If they were to remake Barbarella today, who would you who would you all cast? First off, Barbara? I'm going to tell you they're going to re. If they did, it would be with Margot Robbie because that's how you get it funded. Mm. <laughs> yes. Next, Scarlett Johansson. I'm just going through the obvious like who the studios would make it with to get Emma money. Emma Stone. Who I would want to see? Ari Grainer. Oh sure. Oh totally. Well, yeah. you know what? I feel like J Law would be cool enough to handle it. Weirdly, I think oh, she'd no. be fun with it. She that. would because You're she not a fan. would not a fan. Oh, interesting. I have I have a fun uh, suggestion. I'm ready. Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Oh, my God. His character in Ghostbusters. In Ghostbusters. Yes. 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 He is our, he, Chris, I'll tell you, our great dumb blondes right now are Chris Hemsworth and um, Billy Magnuson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. In yeah, yeah. Game Night. You know, like, yes. I want to, like, let them be the object of uh, objectification and let women and men, you know, manipulate them. Here, here. I've come around on Billy Magnuson. The first time we saw, I saw him was in Ingrid Goes West, and I wasn't ca- crazy about him. Oh, he's so Saw him in that. Game Night, loved him in Game Night, and I'm watching Maniac on Netflix right now, and he is killing it. He's oh, good. I've really been a fan great. of his since he was on As the World Turns. Oh, wow. But he's he's great in uh, Whit Stillman's Damsels in Distress. He's really great in Into the Woods. Um and there's something that I saw him. Oh, and in the oath. Don't. That's in the my oath, st- he's really good. Motherfucker. <laughs> well, stick a stick a pin in that. We'll be back to the oath in a second. Casey, you cut that out right now. <laughs>
Well, if you all out there, if you haven't seen Barbarella, it's streaming now. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, any last things you want to say about it, Lewis? Um, just watch all of Jane's movies anyway, because I feel like they now go under discussed. I just mm. feel like even even Clute, I don't hear people talk about it anymore. When people talk about great movies of the seventies, it's always you know, Godfather. You know, it's all all those all movies day. that have only men in them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like Jane, however, was like uh, kind of the queen of the seventies. So like yeah. reacquaint yourself. Yeah, it's, remember it was made in 1968. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the main <laughs> it's thing. It's dotty. But, but yes. go with it. <laughs> yeah. Before we go, one last thing. We're opening back up the Who Shot line, so we need to call in with answers to this week's question. Next week, we're watching First Men, and we want to know your answer to this very specific question. What movie would have been better had it been set in space? Uh, you can call us with your answers at WSY8031664. The Who Shot line number is wsy Eight zero three one six six four, and now it's time for our staff picks. Every week we ask a panel to tell us about a movie we think you all should check out, whether it's streaming in the theaters, any movie at start all. Start with Drea, and let's start with you guys. Drea. Speaking of Billy Madison, <laughs> say what? Yes, um, go on. So we had a world premiere. In, I don't know if you made it, but we. Um, had a film at the LA Film Festival called The Oath, written, directed, and starring Ike Barinholtz. My man, with, uh, shout out to Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish, John Cho, Billy Magnuson, <laughs> Carrie Brownstein, Nora um, Dunn. Nora Dunn. It's Speaking fantastic. Speaking my language now. Uh, yes. I knew that would get Lewis's my, attention. Oh, wait, no, ready? Nora I'm about to drop <laughs> the best. Um, my description is that, so it's set during Thanksgiving in... Um, a very near future America where the government, or yeah, basically the White House has t- said that all citizens can voluntarily sign um, an oath to a loyalty oath, a loyalty oath to um, respect and follow the president, basically. And so Ike Barinholtz, like many others, are like, fuck that game and they're not going to do it, but it's Thanksgiving and they're, you know, it's the sort of family hijinks anyway and like, ooh, don't talk politics except for this oath is leaning over their heads. And then John Cho and Billy Magnuson show up as uh, federal agents and he's been like snitched on that he hasn't yet signed it but my reason that i love this is i really like the tone of it i like the approach to politics and my description of ike's character is it's clark griswold from vacation meets howard beale from network (laughs) and it's like well i guess i'll go see it yeah and it's this manic um it's as flailing as any political talk can be because parts of it are like too far come back come back and then it's as believable as any political talk can be. Anyway, I think it's a really interesting movie for this exact moment in time, and it comes out, I think, L.A. and New York this weekend, and it opens wide next weekend, the 19th. I had no idea that's what that movie was about. Ooh, I was just like, this is a crazy... And your past would have gotten you into the world premiere. <laughs> oh, I, I, have, I have no excuses for you, girl. I've got yeah. none. I fucked up. I got red. I did. <laughs> Lewis, what do you have for the people? Um, I went back and forth this one. I'm going to go with, and I I feel like you guys have probably seen it. Have you seen Colette yet? I need I to. Not. Oh, the uh, new Kira mm. Knightley movie where she plays the author mm-hmm. of Gigi, which was uh, which became a movie in the fifties that won Best Picture. But it Matthew actually Angela. doesn't focus on that part of her life. She's this French writer, and it's it it uh, kind of chronicles her rise to fame. Okay. She, it's sort of a big eyes situation where the guy she's married to, in order for the books to happen, he takes credit for them, whatever. Mm. Now, big eyes, not a good movie, if you ask me. <laughs> this movie, weirdly, 
even though this the husband character is dastardly, their relationship is like deeply believable. I don't know. You just are attracted to dastardly people sometimes, <laughs> and it gets into from that. From the wire, say so, yeah, or yes, correct. Right. Um, and also, first of all, I mean the costumes are sna. Atched. <laughs> and, and, and like, uh, here comes a movie that I bring up way too often in this room on Pop Rocket. It reminds me a lot of Judy Davis in Impromptu. Nice. Lots of George Sand cross-dressing going on because there's a queer element to this movie good, good. that is very kind of ingeniously incorporated. And like the the woman she ends up with that like kind of goes into their relationship, that's like just a fun wrench that I don't see in movies like this. Um, it's a movie that looks like a standard period drama and it has... Like four or five subversive elements that make it like salacious. I just really enjoyed it. Directed thought, by Wash Westmoreland, yeah. who yes. did uh, uh, Still Alice and Quinceanera. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Kira has given two of my favorite performances of the past 10 years, which are A Dangerous Method, a movie I do not like. She's ama- I think she's amazing in it. You, mm. don't, you don't think so? I, I, I hated the movie so the much. Movie I, I, I couldn't. I'd have to look at just her. And Anna Karenina, I thought she was amazing. And even though that movie is also bizarre. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but this is another performance of hers that's like Pride and Prejudice level great. Okay. All right. All right. Alonzo. So I was kind of I was scrolling through Amazon looking at like new releases and trying to figure out what was out this week and I stumbled upon a neat little find on Amazon Prime. They are currently streaming Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the made for TV remake starring Lynn and Vanessa Redgrave. Holy shit. On Amazon uh, clinging to the ceiling. I, I, I was saving this for the room because I wanted you to hear it here first. Yes. So in the 90s, 80s, I don't even sure now. Anyway, they remade uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with an actual pair of acting sisters. That's so crazy. Lynn Redgrave plays Jane Hudson and Vanessa plays Blanche. And they move wow. it up so that basically Baby Jane was kind of a 60s pop dolly and then Blanche becomes the serious actress. And then beyond that, it's the story mm-hmm. you know. Um, it is has its nuttier moments and maybe not everything is thought out as well as it should but John Glover in the um is it Victor not Victor Borga who am I think uh, the um the who's the the, the, the Vincent Price no, no, who no, no in, in Baby who, Jane oh um, the other guy in the movie yes yes yes, yes right uh that guy who's mm-hmm. Victor Buono yes in the Victor Buono oh, yeah, the gay so the gay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah. they really lean into the gay sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. um it's it's nutty and it's it's the only time that the, the those two sisters ever acted together uh so it's this cool little snapshot of of their dynamic and uh yeah it's just a fascinating curio that i think people have heard of and never seen and now you can see it it is on amazon prime vanessa's one of the greatest actresses of all time also lynn redgrave the only person nominated for both the e the g the o and the t and to win none of them oh Oh. keep that in your style yes Mm -hmm. yeah Well, uh, I don't know if people out there know this uh, who, who follow us on Twitter, but uh, every day this month on October, it's, it's yes. the Halloween season. We are uh, tweeting uh, scary movies that you can watch. Uh, and my pick uh, just recently, and my, my staff pick for this episode, is uh, Evil Dead 2 by Sam Raimi. Nice. I'm a huge... I mean, so it's equal... I was going to say equal parts, but what I love about Evil Dead 2 is it's not equal parts funny, equal parts scary like Army of Darkness was, which was the third film in the trilogy. Evil Dead 2 is still like pretty fucked up, <laughs> like pretty goddamn scary. And then there's just these moments of like, oh shit, you know, like there, there's, a, there's a sequence uh, with Bruce Campbell of, of physical comedy where he is <laughs> getting, you know, getting his ass whooped by his own hand that is just fantastic and it ends with... A chainsaw and a lot yes. of blood. So as much these blood. As do. As, 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 it is, as is want to happen. 
Uh, I love it so much. If you're a fan of Bruce Campbell or aren't aware of Bruce Campbell, I wonder why do people go so crazy about Bruce Campbell. Uh, it's all in Evil Dead 2. It's really great. Uh, and also check out our Twitter every day so you can see what other scary movies. Uh, I believe April just re- recommended Chopping Mall, which I yes. haven't seen, but on poster alone, I was like, all in. Oh, it's good. <laughs> one, of, one of the great Sherman Oaks Galleria movies. Oh, yes. <laughs> Weirdly, that one of uh, actually counts because there's been numerous Sherman Oaks Galleria. Oh, yeah. No, it's a genre unto itself. <laughs> and y'all, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us that good review on Apple Podcasts, y'all. Five-star reviews. Get a shout-out on the show. This week, we got a review from Kit Boyer. They say, WSY is everything that I never knew I needed in a movie criticism podcast. Ricky is the host extraordinaire, and his infectious attitude always lifts my day. Thank you. The regular co-hosts, April Wolf, Alonzo Duraldi, Andrea Clark, are all fabulous in their own ways and help elevate the proceedings from great to grand. Ooh, grand. (laughs) Only I may use the word grand this episode. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Did you write this? Uh, Since finding this pod, I've been recommending it left to right, and I've consumed as much as I can. Hope it keeps rolling for years to come. Oh, thank you, Thank you very much. All our contracts end at the end of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Louis, thank you so much for being on the show, man. You guys are stone pros. That was a blast. Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Working outside of the Keep It podcast, uh, or outside of Keep It the podcast, where else can people find you? Uh, Where can they enjoy... Where, what's up My with this pilot? <laughs> yeah, it's what's your SoundCloud, boy? Yeah. Unfortunately, I still live on Twitter. I'm going to keep trying until I finally get the one tweet I like. Yes, I'm at Louis Vertel, L-O-U-I-S-V-I-R-T-E-L. And if you're not following Louis on Twitter, you're tweeting wrong. Yeah, he's yes. better yeah. at it than pretty My much everybody. Yeah. So I keep funny. trying. You're yes. killing it, yo. You kill it. Yeah. He, he is to Twitter what the diary form was to Samuel Pepys. Well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I will, I'm, not to just keep piling on this, yep. but regularly. I'll like something that you've done like I'll click the like and I mostly and I also want to comment I really liked this <laughs> like, like I want to go a little further like that was so good <laughs> I, I get I know that that's what the thing meant but <laughs> that was you're Great. like, I clicked this on purpose. Yes. <laughs> I was here for it. I don't just click things. I hold back on replying, you're funny, yo. You're so goddamn funny. But just so you know, you're funny. Yeah. I'm a huge well, fan. Have a comment or suggestion about this week's show? Why don't you tweet at us at WhoShotYaPod? Send us an email at WhoShotYaMaximumFun.org. Just a reminder, next week we are watching First Man, and we want to know your answer to this question. What movie would have been better had it been set in space? Once again, the number to the Who Shot line is WSY8031664. You know I'm happy to see the both of you are locked up. Yay! Happy to be seen. That's what's up. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is a production of MaximumFun.org. And I'm going to say it again. That's what's up. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.